While working at the children's hospital, I came across a 7th grader who was having difficulty with her chronic daily headaches. She had never had headaches before, and three years before coming to our clinic, she started taking ibuprofen on a nearly daily basis. Now, this is what we would expect to be a chronic daily headache in the setting of medication overuse, or a medication overuse headache. And it got me thinking, you know, I knew about the causes of medication overuse headache and some of the risk factors and the basics of how to manage it, but I didn't know as many of the details as I would have expected to. So today we'll be talking about medication overuse headache. Welcome to Brainwaves, I'm Jim Siegler. Since we'll be talking about medication overuse headache, let's first address terminology. Medication overuse headache, or MOH, is a subcategory of chronic daily headache defined in the second edition of the International Classification of Headache Disorders from 2006. Its criteria are met when a headache occurs 15 or more days per month over a period of three months, lasting more than four hours a day, and results from excess use of one or more acute headache therapies. Characteristically, the headache develops or worsens with medication overuse. To give you an idea of how common it is, as I'm sure you've seen in your own clinic, 3-5% to of the people in the world, nearly 300 million, have experienced daily or nearly daily headaches, and these people account for 70-80% to of headache clinic visits. Usually, medication overuse headache affects patients with episodic migraines, but other risk factors including white race, low intelligence, high caffeine use, recent stressors, head injury, sleep apnea, and high baseline headache frequency. I'm not sure why, but previous marriage was also found to independently correlate with MOH, as well as with relapses following treatment. Headaches more frequent than 10 per month, and presumably with use of acute therapies for more than 10 days per month, are highly associated with transformation into chronic daily headache and MOH, so these patients should be targeted with preventive treatments. But besides these risk factors, how do we know when a patient's on the path toward MOH? It's important for at-risk patients to maintain a headache diary and to review this with you so that informed decisions can be made about treatment changes. As a general rule, some believe taking acute therapies for more than two days per week is sufficient to induce MOH, but this is highly dependent on the acute therapy. Butalbital, one major ingredient in Fioranol and Fioracet, may precipitate MOH after only five days of use in a given month. These patients require appropriate counseling of barbiturate use prior to initiation of this effective but risky headache therapy. By the way, this voice you're hearing over and over again is one of our co-producers, Erica Mejia. Sorry, there's a bug and I got distracted. Opiates, while often avoided in the use of chronic headache disorders, may result in MOH after 8 days per month of use. Triptans have a 10-day threshold. NSAIDs, on the other hand, may be protective against MOH if used sparingly, but if used more than 15 days per month, they may also contribute to MOH. Some drugs are also associated with the earlier development of MOH. The delay between starting a medication and developing chronic daily headache is shortest for triptans at about one and a half years, a little longer for ergots, two and a half years, and nearly five years for NSAIDs. Besides having complaints of daily or nearly daily headaches, patients with MOH also endorse worsening morning headaches or headaches that awaken them from sleep. This might be explained by worsening of a baseline headache condition via a combination of snoring or sleep apnea and possibly even medication withdrawal during the nighttime hours. Headache location descriptors are variable, orbitofrontal, temporal, unilateral, bilateral, but neck pain is reported in two-thirds of cases and it can be mistaken for cervicalgia, 
often delaying diagnosis while unnecessary neck imaging is obtained. Patients also report a variety of vasomotor symptoms, such as rhinorrhea, nasal congestion, tearing, stomach upset. These symptoms are among the most common to improve after analgesic wean. Other symptoms of MOH are nonspecific and may relate to poor sleep quality, anxiety, or even depression. Treating these patients is quite simple, from a provider's point of view, that is. The first step is to completely wean off the offending drug. This is critical. While weaning the offending agent, you should initiate both a preventive therapy or behavioral strategy and offer an alternative acute therapy with recommended restrictions of use. Once these steps are made, the provider should continually reinforce the strategy in order to prevent relapses. Classically, an intervention that does not involve cessation of the offending agent has a high probability of failure. The decision to wean or abruptly discontinue a drug should be made at the discretion of the treating physician, and it's dependent on the therapy. Obviously, you would want to avoid abrupt cessation of acute therapies in patients who are on a benzodiazepine, a barbiturate, or an opiate. Users of high-dose caffeine supplementation should also be recommended to wean. The concomitant use of a preventative therapy like topiramate, valproic acid, or nortriptyline increases the likelihood of success with MOH weaning or discontinuation. If you choose to wean, as a rule of thumb, gauge the wean based on the duration of medication overuse. For every month of overuse, spend at least one week weaning, up until about four to six weeks. For two months of butalbital overuse, as an example, consider a wean over two to three weeks. For four months of acetaminophen overuse, you may want to wean over four to five weeks. The concomitant use of preventive therapies like topiramate, valproic acid, or nortriptyline increases the likelihood of success with medication weaning or discontinuation. Going cold turkey may be the treatment of choice for most patients, but it increases the likelihood of withdrawal and possibly even relapse. With immediate cessation of acute treatments, the best data supports urgent initiation of preventive therapies, either oral or injectable, or a potent abortifacient such as a steroid pulse. Triptans, while associated with medication overuse headache, are actually the most effective bridging agents, followed by ergotamines and lastly all other analgesics. Currently, onambotulinotoxin A is the only FDA-approved therapy for chronic migraine, and it's highly effective for these patients, but often this therapy is delayed due to scheduling and insurance authorizations. For outpatient bridging, experts recommend any of the following. Sumatriptan 25 mg three times daily for seven days or until headache-free. Naratriptan 2.5 mg twice daily for 7 to 14 days. DHE nasal spray twice daily for 3 to 7 days. Or methyl ergonavine 0.2 mg twice daily for 7 days. Or naproxen 500 mg twice daily over 1 week in non-NSAID users. After acute use of these bridging therapies, they should be restricted to a schedule of less than 2 days per week in order to prevent relapse. For inpatient bridging, parenteral administration of ketorolac, dihydroergotamine, high-dose steroids such as 250 mg of solumedrol or equivalent, procloperazine, benzodiazepines, and or valproic acid loading should be considered. Other symptoms should also be managed. Conservative approaches to insomnia, anxiety, or depression can be successfully addressed pharmacologically and with behavioral therapies. For patients with MOH and insomnia, Sedating tricyclic agents like nortriptyline or amitriptyline may be considered for secondary headache prophylaxis. 
In patients with depression, SSRIs and NRIs have been associated with a two-fold improvement in headache symptoms, according to one meta-analysis, and they may be helpful adjuncts for headache symptoms. Biofeedback, relaxation therapy, and trigger avoidance should also be considered in patients whose stress may exacerbate their headache syndrome. All things considered, improvement or resolution of MOH can be achieved 70% of the time, but nearly half will relapse after five years. The type of headache and the medication used are the strongest predictors of relapse. Compared to other headache types, the tension-type headaches have been associated with a 73% relapse rate. Similarly, compared to ergots and triptans, NSAID overuses were also more likely to relapse after discontinuation. To summarize, MOH affects some more than others. More commonly, MOH affects patients with a high headache burden and a high frequency of medication use. Prevention of MOH is easier than treating it. While NSAIDs at conservative doses may be protective against MOH, other medications like butalbital and opiates have a lower threshold of use before they produce MOH. It may seem confusing that triptans and ergots are the most effective abortifacients for patients with MOH when in fact they are the drugs that are more likely to induce an earlier MOH after initiation of these therapies. A preventive therapy should always be started during a bridge, and counseling on MOH is critical to prevent relapse. Ideally, your patient should not take acute treatments for more than 10 days per month, and if they are, you should be tweaking that preventive regimen. That's all we've got for you today. Thanks for listening to Brainwaves. Thanks for listening to Brainwaves today. If you like what you just heard, you can find more related material on Twitter at Brainwaves Audio or contact us at bweditorialboard at gmail.com. Be sure to check out our iTunes archive for older episodes. This episode was produced by Jim Siegler. Music by Lee Rosevere. Join us next time for another edition of Brainwaves. Puppies is listening.